F. Looking out a dirty old window. Outside the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder why. Friday night and everyone's moving. I can feel the heat, but it's soothing heading down. I search for. Hello! This is minute 14 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Corey McLean, your host. Uh, with me today is John Muggleton and Howdy. and also Kip Reed. Well, hello. Um, so today we are moving from uh, Cher and Dion's giddiness at the beginning of their plot starting to succeed um, in the office to uh, Mr. Hall's classroom. We get oh, the lovely Wallace Shawn. Um who is taking attendance and telling people how many tardies they have to work on. We go through a couple of students um, and then get to our favorite, Travis Birkensaw, um, who gets to give his epic speech in this minute. Um, Mr. Hall ends up, well, Mr. Birkensack has no political messages and our minute is over. Okay. Uh, did any of you ever have to go through tardies in a class? Like this scene? No. no, no. And I was genuinely confused when he started talking. I'm like, what does he mean? Work the tardies yeah. off when you were late. If you were late at a, an amount of times when I was in school, you got detention. But yeah. there wasn't a. It wasn't like work it off. I'm like, what does that mean? Does he mean like okay, if you if you are tardy a certain amount, then you have to then your grade gets deducted from like maybe a certain I don't percentage. Know. Is this like, or maybe you had to do service or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what kind of are the tardies the whole class he just goes through each this is the class he's doing this day is a tardy class yeah i don't know or is it like <laughs> i'm trying i'm now coming up with all of the horrible perverse things that mr hall could be scheming to try and get people to work their tardies off with <laughs> yeah it's like it's like the it's like a saw movie or something right <laughs> well, they're close to mexico so you know make it you, you're you're smuggling <laughs> exactly like 38 tardies <laughs> <laughs> 38, 38 tardies. Runs you've got to do for Here, me now. Swallow Travis. these balloons. Get going. This, this also is another thing I thought about today watching the movie. Like I didn't have a homeroom. Like there was. Yeah, I didn't. There was either. just the first period, then there was the next period. Like there was no like overall like you go here and then talk about tardies or report cards. Yeah, like homeroom was like maybe the first class of the day would have ten extra minutes for roll call and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I vaguely remember that also, but it was uh, maybe study hall-ish. I never had a study Not... hall either. That was a weird thing from television yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah, no, no we, we, <laughs> we didn't have study halls. We would sometimes have, like, free periods where you could either, like, go in study hall or you could go in, like, to any teacher's class. Like, my school was weird. Um, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I blocked many parts of it out. <laughs> so... <laughs> I should have been. I should be able to pronounce this person's name, and I'm not going to try it. But it's something like uh, Paradasm. Paradasm Budishan uh, yes. or Budishan. Yeah. And his 16 tardies. Now growing up in LA, this is a great joke. He says something kind of vaguely sarcastic in Farsi, I guess. And yeah. The Asian girl who doesn't have any tardies. <laughs> Oh God! And who's who's probably carrying a four point two five grade point average? And is also on her cell phone in the middle of the class. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> bewildered by that. I was like, although I guess like people having cell phones was so not a thing even when I was in high school. So many cell phone jokes in this movie. Yeah, yeah. like they're like they're treated as such the status symbol that like maybe if the if the kid is rich rich enough that her parents give her a cell phone, you don't want to mess with that, or I don't know. It's like oh, a cell phone ring. Let's all check our cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. 
That happens like three or four times in this movie. <laughs> they were enamored with this joke. It's prescient. It's prescient because it's what we all do now. <laughs> yeah, and it's still, that was still uh, easily six or seven years ahead of time. I mean, we didn't, I don't remember cell phones being a big thing until at least 2000 or 2001. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone for a long time. 98 was my first cell phone. I got my first cell phone literally 10 years after this, this movie came out. Like I got, I got my first cell phone to go to the, my pre-fresh weekend for college. I I had one in high school. I remember that being a weird thing though too. So I remember being so excited about its screen being color. (laughs) <laughs> it was a little flip phone, and it had a camera even. <laughs> oh, I didn't have any of that. I had just the numbers that would pop up when you pushed them, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me at this time, I mean, I would register, I don't know about anybody else, but I registered a cell phone as a car phone and not so much as a cell phone. It was like, you know, one of those things you see in the 80s movies, one of those big things. Oh, with, man, my grandma had know. one of those until I was like 16. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I don't know if I even, I mean, I'm i am sure I probably tracked it at the time as, oh, that's a cell phone, but it didn't really, you know, it wasn't a thing in my circuit. I can't imagine not having a cell phone or a phone with me all the time right now. Yeah. <laughs> it would drive me so insane. <laughs> not that I ever use my phone as a phone. These tardy, these tardies also kind of go back to this, like, this uh, devil-may-care attitude that the school has towards actual education. Oh, Yeah. I mean, none of these kids are even, who cares? It's, oh, I got tardies, big deal. And people are just kind of coming and going as they please, it seems. Like, this is less of a high school, more than more of a mall. Yeah, it's a teen yeah. movie, right? Like, the point of it is not to actually show people being educated. The point of it is to create this sort of, like, romantic notion of, God, wouldn't it have been amazing if high school was actually like this? In the case of people who watch this movie before high school, God, won't it be amazing when I get to high school and it's like that? It's like that. That's right. So, when, like, we were talking a little bit just before we started recording about the amazingness that is Travis's speech in this. This is another scene where I'm like, I want to see that Travis movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Travis is fantastic. And <laughs> I was trying to figure out is if he, this came before Nightmare on Elm Street 5 where he gets... Uh... Video game killed, and if oh, this is bef- this is this is uh, uh so, before. I mean, this is after Nightmare on. Oh, see, I was hoping that would become yeah. next because then it's like that's what Travis walked into next, being killed by Freddy Krueger. What a tragic! Oh, end. is it the same actor? Yeah, same actor, Breckenmire. Yeah. Oh man, I love that yep. that game of pretending that all of an actor's movies exist in the same universe. It's all the same character. Don't move to Springwood, Travis. Don't do it. Just stay in Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets a strange orange cat who likes lasagna and talks a lot. Well, he's dead at that point, so that's his heaven. That's his oh. weird, weird heaven. <laughs> Garfield cartoon for forever is basically hell. I don't know. It's Bill Murray. He got paid, I'm guessing. So it's not that bad. See, I feel like this scene was like a throwback to like the soy bomb movement of the kind of that time where every award ceremony had some crazy like acceptance speech. Well, it's also got a, a, a it's also got some of the traditional cliches of the award uh, the award show uh, speech where he talks about taking a chance on an unknown kid. Yeah. And uh about uh this is so unexpected i didn't have a speech prepared th- exactly yep i also like how sean wallace is like kind of let, like wallace sean just kind of lets it happen yeah yeah this <laughs> slides out like this so is the period authority i i got nothing here i'm just gonna let this happen eat at the time the more you talk the less i have to teach let's do this right like he's such a checked out teacher but he's still refu- like in some ways like i find him a really authentic teacher at like the character for like because of that because that's so how my teachers in high school were like 
wanted to do as little work as possible, but still like, we're not going to let anything like let you get away with anything as far as your grades go. Cause he's not going to let Cher talk her way out of her grade. He does like, um, he does keep Travis from killing himself. So, I mean, he's like, he has that bare minimum effort put in. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure Travis was not going to kill himself by jumping out the first floor window anyway, though. Um, <laughs> you can never be sure. No, and this, uh, this also, I love Wallace Shawn, like in just about everything I've ever seen him in. Um, probably because the first thing I ever saw him in was the princess bride. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah. he's so he's so adorable in this role. Like it's so cute. <laughs> like he's exactly the kind of teacher I would have adopted in high school and been like, "I'm sorry, you're so miserable because it's miserable to be to be a teacher at this school." <laughs> like I get to leave after four years, and you're still stuck here, hoping for tenure and thirty years and a nice paycheck at the end. Yeah, that's. I, I'm very, very sorry for the people who were who were teachers at my high school. <laughs> and continue to be teachers to this day. Well, they don't, actually. My high school closed. Uh, oh. I wish them best so of luck finding them... jobs in this difficult, difficult economy. Yeah. That's right. There is part of me that even though, like, a McDonald's Egg McMuffin is such a ubiquitous thing, like, totally loves him all the more for, like, you like breakfast sandwiches. I like breakfast sandwiches. I have no idea what part of my brain it is that feels like this basic, like, normal fact. Because who doesn't like Egg McMuffins? Well, that was another thing that we caught in the movie. Like, there's Starbucks cups everywhere. And we were trying to figure out if Starbucks was a thing yet or not. I guess uh, it was a thing in On Beverly the West Hill. Coast, it was. Yeah, I think on the West Coast, it was. Because I grew up was. in Los Angeles. And I couldn't remember ever seeing a Starbucks until I was out of high school. Yeah. That was, like, 2000. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> like, seeing Starbucks cups. Like, it was a miracle when San Juan in Puerto Rico got its first Starbucks. And... Like you, you used to whenever you went into the city, like it was it was a thing. But then later she buys one off like a stand, and it's also a Starbucks cup. And I'm like, there weren't Starbucks stands. What are you doing? Hmm. So this movie is maybe they it's just, it's so it's just calling the future out left and right. They could have paid for the well, they probably paid for the what do you call it? Paid for the endorsement. Yeah, exactly. It's product placement. Um, so what about what about other Alicia Silverstone films? What other ones have you guys seen? Uh, I actually just watched Excess Baggage the other night. Yeah. I uh, I don't remember. I mean, I remember that movie existing. I don't think I ever watched it. I have is no Christopher idea Walken what in it? it? Is. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, that's uh, a movie. Christopher Walken is in it, isn't he? Now. Yeah, I think so. Or that he's either the dad, her dad, or a bad guy. It's with I think Benicio del Toro's in it. Oh, all right. Yeah, I kind of remember. I don't think I ever saw it, but I kind of remember it. I was trying to think. And of... then. The only one I remember really clearly is The Crush. Yeah, The Crush is like her, like, that was what made her, I think. Yeah. See, I would think that, like, the Aerosmith videos made her. I think Crush became before that, though. Huh. Yeah. I think Crush is like 91. The Crush and then Aerosmith videos, and I think Clueless... Clueless really made her. Might have been at the same... Maybe they were at the same time, but I don't remember. It must have been... Clueless was her zenith, for sure. Yeah. Her height of her power. Because then she goes to, like, Batman and Robin. She's got a lot of money, and then she went away for a long time. Yep. Yeah, I was very surprised when uh, uh, she turned out to be the the one white person in Beauty Shop or Barber Shop. One of the... Beauty Shop. Beauty Shop, yes. Mm. With Queen Latifah. It's like, oh... I remember Alicia Silverstone. Whatever happened to her? <laughs> oh, and folks, get ready for Barbershop Back in the Cut coming to the theaters this month. Okay, then. Oh and, bl- oh, and Blast from the Past. That was another one. I remember that. I'm looking up. Is she in Blast from the Oh, yeah, with yes. Dave Foley. I'm looking her up on uh, on IMDb now because I was trying to remember 
With Dave Foley playing the most gayest gay man in the history of cinema. Uh, is that possible? I mean... He really <laughs> just like... This there's, is... a, there's a cabaret movie. Like, that was... Well, Dave Foley hit the zenith of the gay of the gay stereotype right there. Yeah, I, I suppose he, those movies are not pretty... Like, why they are all gender-bending. Like, Scott that. Thompson was like, hey, tone it back a little bit, dude. It's hurtful. <laughs> You're being hurtful Scott Thompson right is in that movie, too. In Blast from the Past? Yeah, apparently he plays young psycho in that movie. Oh. Well, I, oh, probably in the cult. There's a cult that springs up around oh, the hatch. You know what? No, it's a different Scott Thompson. Hold on. I'm looking at the picture, and that's not him, because this Scott Thompson was also in the Police Academy, and he was in Twister, so it's not the same one. It's a different Scott Thompson. Yeah. What movies do you, do you wish Alicia Silverstone was doing when she wasn't having a career anymore? Like, she's one of those sort of like generic blonde teen movie actresses that I feel like there are so many things could have See, benefited from having her in them. Like, have you ever played the Bill Simmons like replace game where two actors kind of look at like and one of them wins out and the other one kind of goes away? Like no. Steve Gutenberg and Michael Keaton. They, kinda, okay. they, they, they come up at the same exact time, but one wins. We can only have one. Like curly hair. <laughs> there can only there can be only one. So you have like you have like Gutenberg and Tom Hanks come out at the same exact time, two movies, and we choose Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks becomes the bigger star, and Gutenberg goes away. So I think with Alicia Silverstone, it's Gwyneth Paltrow comes around. And you have two I, well, thin that's particularly hyster- hysterical, given like the fact that they that a almost immediately after this movie comes out, Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma comes out. Yep. B yes. they both turned into mommy bloggers. Like, with their, like, crazy, crunchy food diets. Um, I think Gwyneth Paltrow just took her corner, knocked her off her corner, and was like, this is mine now. And then Alicia Silverstone just kind of went away. So, like, do you, do you think there actually was a death match? Like, like obviously, <laughs> de- like, to the death of your career, not to your actual physical I'm sure there was a fight club, but you know they couldn't talk about it, because we all know the first rule of fight club. No, you leave your shoes at the door. You take your shoes yeah. off, because it's a new carpet. That's right. <laughs> We're doing the Japanese thing here. Take out the shoes. This is brand new. And then don't talk about it. That's right. And then then please don't bleed on this floor because, once again, this is a new carpet. <laughs> and fourth, don't talk about it. But fifth, remember, this is a new carpet. Please. He's like, wow, he's really obsessed with the new carpet thing, huh? He's, like, why, he's why, weird about why it. Why are you having the fight club in your place with your new with your new carpet? Couldn't we go down to your basement and put down some cardboard? Like... And he's like, we just finished the basement. It's it's a game room for the kids. Kids go to bed. Are you having a fight club? Like go to bed. <laughs> the kids can talk about it because they're not in the fight I club. Still it's fine. I want to see the adult, the or the the Gwyneth Paltrow versus Alicia Silverstone fight club. Like, Gwyneth just takes her that? down. Like if you're actually doing, like obviously Gwyneth Paltrow actually won. Gwyneth Paltrow would win. I think but Gwyneth Paltrow still win? gonna win. Dirty. She's dirty. That girl dirty. <laughs> that girl going for the eye. She going for the nostril. <laughs> Elbows, all kinds of stuff. Gwyneth don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Gwyneth dirty. I think Gwyneth gives way too many fucks. I think that's her whole fucking problem. Gwyneth gets you on your back and she's got that knee right into your kidney. You know what it is? Is she's she's wiry and flexible and can like she you can't get a grip on her. She's from New York City and she's been she grew up in the in the dirt and the grime and the hustle. Really? <laughs> really? She know about that Park Avenue hustle, man. You gotta fight to survive. Say, isn't she- I was gonna say, isn't she Blythe Danner's daughter? Oh, that makes you—it's like a boy named Sue situation. We named you Gwyneth because we knew you had to grow up and be tough. <laughs> if that's the case, then what's her name? Um... Well, Apple's gonna have to grow up to be super strong because she just passes it down the line. Yeah. So if you're, we're naming you Apple. You're gonna have to fight every day for the rest of your life. Good luck. 
No, but what I'm saying is if that's the case, then Twink, whatever her name was, misguised, should be the biggest badass of all of them. Twink kill people in the 70s. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> you don't get the nickname Twink well, without murdering people. this has got to a decidedly oh. weird, weird, weird place. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say about this movie? <laughs> No, I think I think Kip has done enough for all of us. Twink dirty, y'all. Twink is dirty. You stay out Twink's corner. No one replaced Twink on that corner. <laughs> she kept her domain of continuing to play the same school teacher character over and over again. She's like, I'm going to the TV show. Like, we don't need you for the TV show. She's like, I'm going to the TV show. And like, oh, all right, Twink wants to do the TV show, so we're just going to let her. <laughs> it's not worth the fight, guys. Like, like, she'll kick your actual go right for your eyes. She, she has that. She, she has a straight blade there, and right in her bow, in the neck. <laughs> That's why she's got all the clips. <laughs> that clip cut somebody. She pulled that clip out and it's a, it's a switchblade. It's sharpened to a razor's edge. She's been to prison. She knows how to do. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> See, you gotta have that Twink backstory movie now. I want that Twink movie. That's why she has a slip on. She just, that's how she hides her neo-Nazi tattoos from prison. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's uh. why the slip is showing. <laughs> that's why she's wearing stockings, even though they have runs in them. She's got to cover up all those tattoos. <laughs> they actually call her the painted woman in some circles. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So whose ass is, is Wallace Shawn kicking? Oh, that's that's her. Uh, that's her meat. <laughs> Wallace Shawn knows how to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Twink and Wallace. Unless we have anything more to say on this particular tangent. Do you guys have stuff you'd like to plug? No, I'm all set. What about you, Kip? Uh, uh, every week we do episodes. Can we just be friends? A podcast on the internet. I do it with Brian Skinner. We come, become best friends via a 30-minute podcast. We're on iTunes and Google Play and all that fun stuff. Come check us out. Hang out. Awesome. And you can find me uh, at SweatTRC uh, on Twitter and Instagram and all kinds of things. Um, and eventually I will have a podcast called The Accidental Cinephile once I get off my ass and edit it. Um, and I'll provide more information, hopefully around the time that these episodes actually come out. <laughs> but fortunately, we're recording way ahead of time, so I'm going to give the plug for it as an incentive to myself to do. You just throw your hat over the fence and just plug it now. Yeah, accidental cinephile. I'm going right. to put it on Facebook and, and all the places where where you can normally find podcasts. So. <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It is produced and edited by Darren Husted, executive produced and hosted by Corinne McLean, with my guests, Kip Reed and John Muggleton. Follow us on Facebook at As If The Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If underscore podcast. And follow us on Instagram, As If Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shout Engine, or the podcasting app of your choice. Please rate and review if you enjoy Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.